Community Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Curtain, go. Podcast, go. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast produced by the Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska. I'm Jamie Ulmer, Managing Artistic Director at the Theater, and this is Season 2, Episode 8, for our production of Love, Linda, The Life of Mrs. Cole Porter. This show is the final production in our 2020-2021 season, and is hopefully the final time that we have to say that a show is a COVID substitution. The show was not on the original schedule for the season, but we swapped this in due to uncertainty about COVID and some scheduling issues at the time when we needed to decide what we were going to offer our patrons to wrap up the season. A quick update on our COVID procedures. As of the time of this recording, masks are no longer required to attend shows. However, we encourage members of the general public who have not been fully vaccinated to please wear appropriate face covers. We are also increasing our seating capacity from 50% to 75%. For patrons who purchased tickets prior to this policy update, we are maintaining the distance around your seats. Alright, enough about that stuff. Coming up in Act 2 of this episode, we talk with Gene Spilker, who plays Linda Porter. A quick heads up, we were having some technical difficulties with our recording equipment during the interview, so we apologize if the audio quality isn't the best, but we think you'll still enjoy the interview. But first, Act 1. Love, Linda, The Life of Mrs. Cole Porter is a musical that combines the music of Cole Porter with stories told by his wife, Linda. Through the course of the evening, Linda sets out to answer questions about her life and the nature of her 35-year relationship with Cole. So, some of you may be wondering, who is Cole Porter and why do I care what his wife has to say? Well, whether you know it or not, it is likely that you have heard a Cole Porter tune at least once, and in all likelihood, you probably heard one in the past month and just didn't know it. His music is used in TV shows, movies, and commercials on a regular basis whenever they want to evoke glamour, sophistication, or the 1920s. Porter was a Broadway and Hollywood songwriter whose career spanned from the 1920s into the late 1950s. His most famous song is Night and Day, which up until a few years ago was still listed by ASCAP as one of the most frequently licensed titles. Other well-known songs include My Heart Belongs to Daddy, I Love Paris, In the Still of the Night, and the list could really go on and on. Among Porter's most popular musicals are Anything Goes and Kiss Me Kate, both of which have received frequent Broadway revivals. Porter was from Indiana, but his musical style would come to symbolize style and sophistication. There are several hallmarks of a Porter tune, including complex rhyme schemes, notably in the song I Get a Kick Out of You, with the lyric, Flying too high with a guy in the sky is my idea of nothing to do. He was also known for being the master of what is known as the list song, where the song is, well, a list of things. Two examples of that style can be found in the song You're the Top and Let's Fall in Love, where he lists off a wide variety of people and animals that fall in love. You'll hear some of that song in this show. On the other side of the spectrum, he could write beautiful and haunting ballads like Night and Day, but also So in Love and Every Time We Say Goodbye. You'll hear So in Love during this show. 
Unlike many of his contemporaries, such as George and Ira Gershwin or Rodgers and Hammerstein, Porter was not part of a songwriting team, instead writing both the words and music for nearly all of his songs himself. One of the few songs where Porter did not write both the music and the lyrics uh, is the song Don't Fence Me In, which is based on a cowboy poem. At the same time, Porter had a complicated life. It was no secret that he was gay. Despite this, he was married to Linda, and by all accounts, they had a very deep and personal relationship. Porter once said that he had two great women in his life. His mother, who thought he had this talent, and Linda, who encouraged him to use it. Now, I have to admit, I could do an entire podcast series on Cole Porter. He has been my favorite composer since I first became aware of his work in the early 1990s when I was in a production of Anything Goes at the Hastings Community Theater. In college, my senior project was writing and performing a one-man show based on Porter's life and music. So, now, in a way, um, directing a one-woman show uh, about his wife is kind of a nice and logical bookend. And by the way, don't ask me to do a revival of my one-man show. Love Linda debuted in 2008 and would regionally tour before a limited engagement off-Broadway run that began in 2013. This is the first time Community Players has produced the show. Anna Erickson is the music director and Heidi Krieger is the stage manager. Our production runs approximately 80 minutes and there is no intermission. The show is rated a 2 on our production scale. That means it is for broad audiences and would be the equivalent of a PG movie. That brings down the curtain for Act 1. Stand by for Act 2. Well, Jean, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today to talk about Love, Linda. Well, you're welcome. It's good to be here. I've never done this before. There's a first time for everything. They say that is true, yes. (laughs) So you play Linda Porter, and uh, since she was an actual person, did that change the way you approach this role at all? I think somewhat, yes. Uh, Normally when you play a character in your mind, and at some point anyway, you kind of picture or imagine what the backstory is for that character. But in this case, her backstory already existed. And I honestly, before you sent me the link to the script, I did not know that Linda Porter existed. And so uh, I just Googled her and found a lot about her life. And, and I do think that influences how you play that character because you do try to bring a little bit more of that realism into what you do. Yeah, uh, what um, kind of surprised you as you did a little bit of research on her? Well, I guess the first thing, obviously, is just that Cole Porter had a wife. (laughs) uh, Just that they had this very loving relationship, and it withstood some pretty decent-sized obstacles in society and in their their relationship, and uh, they made it work somehow. Yeah, um, why don't you talk about maybe uh, some of the obstacles that the relationship faced? Well, I think probably the first thing was the idea that he was a gay man and (laughs) she still fell in love with him and in some way he fell in love with her and they kind of overcame that, that part, that facet of their relationship and made it work. Another thing that I think that could stand in the way of a long-lasting marriage is just the fabulous, incredible life that they led. 
he was a rock star <laughs> and uh, she was uh, an heir to a family fortune as well and so they lived a very lavish lifestyle and as we know from all the tabloids that doesn't always lend itself to a long-term relationship but somehow they overcame that too yeah yeah they were married for 35 years before she passed away and yeah, they were kind of like original celebrity superstars right, yeah. uh they they traveled the world which was kind of a thing that uh, people of a certain society level did back in the 20s and 30s you know that they would take these year-long world tours um and uh, just do nothing but just travel the globe um and uh, yeah their their parties were listed in newspapers and society columns and they they really were kind of uh, celebrity superstars before we became so internet obsessed with uh, celebrities right yes mm-hmm. um let's there's a lot of music in this show because you know Cole Porter ultimately is 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 a known not for being a celebrity gigolo but for <laughs> but for being a an amazing songwriter. So let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, some of the songs in the show. Is there? There's a lot of music in this show. There is a lot of music in this show. Yes, <laughs> for one person to sing. Yes. <laughs> so is there a song or arrangement that has uh, surprised you or that you really enjoy singing? Well, yes. There's. I enjoy a lot of them. They are very unique arrangements. Sometimes a song that we kind of consider more ballady got an uptune treatment, or in the reverse, something that we're used to hearing more as a almost a dance tune becomes more like uh, a ballad. And that's been kind of an interesting juxtaposition a little bit with his music. I think one of my favorite songs is a song that I had never heard before. I think pretty much all of the songs, except for this one, I had heard at some point. No, maybe two. Uh, But Having a Ball, I had never heard that song. And it wasn't on the cast recording. (laughs) And so at first I was pretty intimidated by it because it was so different from any other song I had ever sung. And uh, we have an expression in my family that uh, the song was singing me instead of me singing the song. And it was going along like that. And then I finally decided, nope, I'm not going to let that happen. And so I kind of looked into it a little harder and um and now it's one of my favorite songs in the show yeah uh and and it really shows when you're performing the song as well how much you're enjoying it all in in all honesty um because it's about throwing a ball throwing a party and and you were really working the stage and just enjoying the moments uh that this song talks about and getting ready for a party and it's at a pretty uh pivotal moment um, you know, for for the story of the character as well, um, kind of pushing through hardship. Exactly. That's kind of the crux of the song is that the first line of the song is, my life was simply hellish. And it, it despite that, she decides she's going to have fun and have a ball. So that's kind of a good message, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the musical styles. Um, some of these songs, like you said, aren't traditional arrangements of these tunes, are they? No, they're very jazzy, very different, very interesting. Um, I, yeah, I think people will will hear kind of a fresh sound for Cole Porter when they when they hear the show. Um, yeah, and that's one of the things that I personally uh, really appreciate. Some of these arrangements uh, really kind of you don't want to say rock because it's jazz, not rock, but uh, they really do kind of cook. Uh, 
and uh, you you don't expect to hear these songs um, like Love for Sale is the one that really uh, sticks out to me it has such a great arrangement to it that uh, it's just such a compelling song as opposed to normally that song is kind of a down tempo uh, ballad and and it really just kind of goes mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it has a lot of dr- uh, drive and determination behind it, I think, is the best way to describe right. that song. Yeah, I'd say so, too, yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, and uh, so you were recently in the New York area, just actually last weekend. Um, and you, we were talking before rehearsal yesterday and uh, you said that, you know, you actually heard a couple of Porter songs while you were out and about uh, on the East Coast. Absolutely, yes. Um, so why do you think his songs continue to be performed, used in movies, TV shows and commercials? Well, I think he was a genius. His composition style was uh, ahead of its time, I think, uh, and very complicated in some ways, but yet it um, sort of sets well on our ears. And it, um, it, that's the, why songs become classics or standards, is just that there's something about them that kind of feeds our soul or that's part of kind of our nature as humans and it just he seemed to be able to tap into that also another thing about Cole Porter is that he was a genius rhymer (laughs) and so it's very catchy and engaging when you hear those songs because it's got rhymes upon rhymes internal rhymes and it's uh, just makes it very compelling to listen to alliteration too he was kind of the king of alliteration yes yes and sometimes making up words to fit the rhyme scheme yeah (laughs) i mean you never don't know what the word is yeah always get what he's going for yeah yeah it's pretty interesting he's pretty pretty much linda porter calls him an artistic genius all the time and i think i would agree yeah and and you know this show has a example of one of the more famous um uh, rhyme schemes of his um, in uh, You Do Something to Me, uh, where you sing the uh, do do that voodoo that you do so well. I mean, um, my gosh, how many times can you put <laughs> that rhyme in there? I will say that makes memorizing a lot easier when you have a lot of rhymes or alliteration. That helps so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we were looking at, for a show to fill this time slot, um, you kind of uh, mentioned this uh, earlier, but you know, I found this script and sent you an email uh, with a link to check it out. What was your first thought when I ran this crazy idea by you besides, oh, crud? <laughs> <laughs> I did have that thought, although I was kind of intrigued by the idea of doing a one-person show um, ever since I saw George Burns. <laughs> and, uh, and my mom would always tell me when I was faced with some sort of an obstacle or a question with if I should try something, she'd always say, well, you're not getting any younger. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. And if I'm ever going to try something like this, I might as well try it now. And I checked it out with um, my family and I asked if they would help me with it and they said they would. They liked the idea. And so I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do the show. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Speaking of family, this show really is kind of a family affair for you. Um, Talk about your family connections uh, in this production. Well, like I said, I checked it out with uh, Scott and Anna first because they were the ones at home at the time and asked um, them to help me. And Anna said, well, do you think you'll need a music director? And I 
say, well, yes, I know I'll need a music director. So she is music directing the show, which has been great to work with her. And she's always got um, some positive reinforcement, but then also has some little things that she says, Mom, would you maybe think about doing it this way instead? <laughs> and honestly, right at first, I was like, huh, I don't know if I like Anna telling me what to do. But then after that, I thought, you know what? She's got some really great ideas, and she would never tell me to do something that her ear wasn't telling her was necessary. So then I tried to be a little more compliant with her. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something that struck me during uh, the rehearsal process, actually, was how uh, willing Anna was to share um, her thoughts and, and uh, I don't want to say criticisms, but, um, you know, to basically be the music director for you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, just that uh, open collaborative process that you guys had uh, throughout the whole the whole show and, and in her encouraging you uh, on some parts of the show that maybe you're, you're not at first you were kind of like leery about i'm thinking of the vocal scat uh section of miss otis right uh, <laughs> and just pushing you to to go beyond that comfort level that maybe you feel yes 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 yeah she's been very great and she's got such a sweet way of pushing past that comfort level so that's really nice <laughs> Um, and then uh, how, um, how else is your family involved? Well, the boys are both um, instrumentalists for the show. Uh, Nathan is playing bass guitar and um, Johnny's playing trap set. And they, they sort of were happy to agree to do it, but I know it's taking some sacrifices for them because Nathan just graduated last weekend and so he's kind of coming home uh, early from that celebrating all week <laughs> to do the show and uh, Johnny had to rearrange his work schedule completely and so I really appreciate them being willing to do this and I'm looking forward to it yeah 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 the, the I guess the only one in the in the combo and the music side of it that's not a family member is Alex, Alex. playing the piano so maybe you need to adopt him or something I know I could <laughs> I love him I would I would love that Alex <laughs> Um, of course, you are no stranger to the community player stage. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of your past roles here. Uh, anything that, that really sticks Well, what was your first community player show? My first show was Sound of Music way back in <laughs> 1988. <laughs> or 89, was it? I don't know. It was a long time ago. But that was my first show. I had never even been to Beatrice at that point, the night I came down to audition. And so I actually got lost on my way from Lincoln to Beatrice, but I found it, so I made it to the auditions. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who say that their first uh, time coming to Beatrice is to audition for a show yeah. here. Yeah. That's not an unusual uh, statement. <laughs> yeah, that was over 30 years ago, and I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't left yet. No, you haven't gotten rid of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> um... So from your last show, what was your show that you were in right before this, uh, most recently? I guess I was on stage last in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Which was, I would say that was one of my favorite roles. Um, mostly because my whole life I actually wanted to be Mary Poppins. <laughs> Not play Mary Poppins in a show, but to actually be Mary Poppins. So that was extra fun for me to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, other shows that maybe stick out? Um, I think sticking out to me would be, I loved doing My Fair Lady. That was a favorite. Uh, Lion in Winter was a 
a great experience. Uh, that's where I learned that plays have a lot of words in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're in a musical, you are learning a lot of lyrics, and somehow that maybe is a little easier for me to remember. But in Lion in Winter, there were no lyrics. It was all it was all dialogue. You know, that's what a play is. <laughs> um, other favorites. Um, I liked Hello Dolly. That was fun. A lot of great experiences. A lot of great shows, great music, and great people that I've gotten to know through the theater. Yeah. And um, what what's uh, kept you coming back? Hmm. Well, I would say I would say the relationships with. Um, the people, your friends that you make, you just create a great bond with people and those people come, sometimes they keep coming back, sometimes they're new people, but that is pretty priceless. The, the thing about theater people I think that a lot of people don't really realize is that we're, some of us are pretty similar, where we're a little bit kind of maybe introverted or um, a little socially awkward. <laughs> Being on stage is a safe place somehow. It uh, being with a lot of other people that are similar in that introversion um, or um, awkwardness is it feels safe and it feels like home. So I think I think that's what's always kept me coming back is just that kind of like you can lose yourself, you can be whoever you want to be. People love you and accept you the way you are, and I think that's probably why I've never been very far away from it. Yeah, so back to Love, Linda. What do you hope people leave the show thinking or feeling? Well, um, I hope they enjoy the music. I hope they uh, remember some of those songs, um, or if they're not coming into the show as Cole Porter fans, I hope they leave thinking, wow, I didn't realize that was a Cole Porter song. That's a cool song. Um, I also hope that they think a little bit too, like I have, um, about how we kind of get in the habit of judging other people's situations or relationships or marking them by some sort of a gauge that exists in our heads or in our society. And I, I hope that maybe you will start them to think that maybe that really isn't our job to define other people's relationships or to judge other people's relationships because what works for me might not work for you. And I think that's kind of a pretty predominant theme of the show and was kind of lived out in their lives together. Yeah, because it's one of the kind of challenges of the show is you know it's not just a concert of jazzy Cole Porter arrangements you know Linda is telling these stories about their life together and she's going on an emotional journey with the audience as she's reliving her life mm -hmm. yeah. and, and reflecting on on the things around her and and yeah that their life from the from the 20s through the 50s um, still is a relevant life lessons for people today and it doesn't doesn't hurt that there is a lot of great music along the way. Yes, there is a lot of great music in this show. <laughs> there really is. Um, so, is there anything else that we you want to add as we are wrapping up this uh, this little chat here? You know, one thing um, we talk a lot about this being a one woman show. 
when I was first getting started uh, with the script, before we had even started rehearsals, um, I was visiting with my brother-in-law about the show that this was coming up, and he is a he's a bass player and has played in a lot of pit orchestras in his local um, community theater. And uh, I was just talking about the show, kind of just giving them sort of the overview of it. And he said, and I said it was a one-woman show, and he said, uh, oh, well, are you singing all the songs a cappella? <laughs> and then he just kind of left it there. He just kind of sweetly said that. And, and I was like, no, 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 no. There's an accompanist and there's a little combo and, and they're all on stage. And I didn't, it didn't even dawn on me until much later that day after, as I was rethinking that conversation that what he was actually saying was, it's not really a one woman show, is it? It's, it's a collaboration. And it's, so I've been looking at it a little bit more that way, that we're all kind of collaborating, you and I and Anna, and then also the musicians on stage. And Alex has been awesome. He catches me when I come in a measure early, or he'll vamp if I come in too late, or he'll play my note if I still can't hear what note that is. <laughs> so, uh, it is not a one-woman one show. It's, it's a collaboration, and we have all worked very hard on it. All right. Well, that's great, Jean. Thank you so much for popping in uh, this morning and uh, chatting about the show and uh, let you get on your way and uh, just keep thinking about all those songs and, and dialogue and stuff. And we'll see you at rehearsal. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. It's time for the curtain call. This podcast is a production of Community Players Theatre in downtown Beatrice, Nebraska. Our production of Love, Linda runs just one weekend, opening on Thursday, May 20th, and running through Sunday, May 23rd. Tickets are available by calling the box office or visiting our website. Unfortunately, there will not be a streaming option for this production. And that is a wrap on the 2020-2021 season for Community Players, and for the second season of our podcast. We have officially announced the shows that will be part of the 2021-2022 season that we are calling a reboot. Learn more on our website about this exciting lineup of big shows for all ages coming your way starting in July, and hopefully with no COVID-related restrictions of any kind. Thank you for sticking with us during this unusual and constantly changing season. I'm Jamie Ulmer. This has been Places, Please, and we will see you at the theater. Curtain in, house lights up. Thank you, podcast. Make sure to reset your props and hang up your costumes. <laughs>